This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Six-man rush. Stidham climbs the pocket. Throws on the run. Pass caught. Strike thrown. That is Lil Jordan Humphrey. Spins away. Breaks a tackle. Breaks another tackle. Here we go. 20. Lil Jordan Humphrey. 15. 10. 5. To the goal line. Touchdown, Denver. 54 yards. Stidham to Lil Jordan Humphrey. Who was big Jordan Humphrey on that catch and run. Of course, the one and only Dave Logan on the call for the Denver Broncos radio network as the Broncos win, well, their eighth game of the season. One way from having a winning season, 16-9 over uh, a bunch of people wearing Los Angeles Chargers uniforms. We'll talk about it. Happy New Year, Colorado. I'm Sean Drotar, Santa Clough on my left. Danny Bailey in the booth. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season and a very, very happy New Year. We didn't miss anything, did we? Um, well, put it this Over way. Over the last 10 days? Nothing that we actually didn't tell you would happen. <laughs> I told you all year long on so this, this program. this is going to be an I told you so program. Just this part and the next two uh, hours. Yeah. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise. Uh, what I told everybody right off the bat is the moment the Broncos were eliminated from the playoff chase, Sean Payton would stop playing Russell Wilson and go to Jared Stidham. It is exactly what happened. It is not a surprise. The surprise, we'll get into it more, of course, is in the manner in which it happened and how early now that the story was unveiled. Not that that in and of itself is a shock either, but the Broncos do win the game. They are eliminated from the playoff chase because of, obviously, as Sandy pointed out all year, you can't keep blowing in conference games because then it kills you in the tiebreakers, which is exactly what happened. And this game ended up being meaningless as well as their finale against the Raiders. But I guess it would be nice to have a winning season. And and we also said when last we spoke on December 22nd to all of you, we said that there would be a mixture of results over which the Broncos had no control. There would be some good news. There would be some bad news. But the worst news was the Broncos lost to yet another hapless opponent at home and effectively, if not officially, eliminated themselves from the playoff picture. Officially, it happened on Sunday. Right. Officially, it happened after Jarrett Stidham had delivered a mediocre performance that led to a win. With a really, really good play by little Jordan Humphrey that you just heard at the beginning. Well, of that, this that was show. about a quarter of their offense, <laughs> and and, <laughs> it, and it was it was a the, the, the a yards short, that meant yeah, a short pass to Humphrey that Humphrey right. then just went through right. the remainder of the Chargers at this point who were playing out the string as well. But I want to say this: uh, among the many lies, disingenuous statements, self-serving remarks that have come out of Dove Valley in the last seven to eight years. Just going back a bit. I don't know that anything beats the pivot the Broncos made. And when I say the Broncos made the pivot, I mean Sean Payton made the pivot because Sean Payton is the Broncos. Correct. And the Broncos are Sean Payton. There is no separation between how the Broncos present themselves, how they represent themselves in the community. There is no separation between the Broncos 
and Sean Payton. He is them, and they are he. Yes. I believe yes. that's correct. Yes. Or as uh, uh, even uh, Louis the Fourteenth once said, le c'est moi. <laughs> I am the state. The state. <laughs> that's <laughs> who Sean Payton is. And the pivot made by Sean Payton from pre-Russell Wilson. Doesn't matter how many games we win, playoffs are the only thing that matters. Right? Right. I'll be disappointed, distressed. Pissed was his maniacally word. Maniacally torqued off if we don't make the playoffs. That was a statement made a few months back. Mm-hmm. Right? And now, post-Russell Wilson, and make no mistake, we are talking about the oh. end of the Russell Wilson era in Denver after less than two years. Russell Wilson lasted a few weeks longer than Josh McDaniels lasted back in 2009, 2010. He beat him by a few weeks. Russell Wilson in December of his second year was for all practical purposes fired by the Denver Broncos officially demoted unofficially fired. Right. Josh McDaniels was fired in early December of 2010 as head coach of the Denver Broncos. But McDaniels, speaking not of anything you might attribute to him personally, professional point of view, was the provocateur the architect of his own demise. In this particular case, Russell Wilson is much more victim than villain. And whatever you think of Russell Wilson, you have to salute his professionalism because he spent almost two months knowing that he would not, at some point, be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos and survived as long as he did, largely because the Broncos went on a five-game winning streak and not necessarily in a secondary way, the Broncos were threatened by the NFLPA with a very large lawsuit. And that may not be done. And that may still come to pass. It may. If the National Football League had any sense of self-awareness and if the NFL weren't so caught up in its own hype and its own TV ratings, the Broncos would not have six draft picks come this April. The Broncos would have five draft picks this April. They would not have a first round draft choice this April. That's what the NFLPA would want. Mm -hmm. And if the NFLPA doesn't get something along those lines, I think the NFL will bring legal action against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are a despicable organization that's currently constructed. Yes, yes. And the NFLPA, I hope, will follow through. And take action. This is, again, Sean Payton finding a way. Remember, Sean Payton began the year 
talking to USA Today about how he felt that, and, and Seth Wickersham, who we had on on this program yes. to talk about it, about how he thought that Roger Goodell was still after him, the leagues are still after him. If you're Roger Goodell, you've got to be rolling your eyes over the last two weeks and going, this guy, Artists. this guy just keeps getting us in trouble. More than 10 years after Bounty Gate. And what year I was going to say back, about the pivot. Gets us right back in trouble again. The pivot. And this is merely disingenuous. It isn't even necessarily objectionable. I mean, coaches do this. But on top of all the lies, he pivots from saying it's only about playoffs to now, hey, it's a hell of a year if we win nine games. Right. Have a winning record. That's a hell of a year. And now he's got the players parroting that line, too. Yeah, too bad we're out of the playoffs, but we can still be a winning team. You know what? They were winning team in 2016. You know who got fired? Guy who won the Super Bowl. The guy who won the Super Bowl for him the <laughs> yeah, year before. Exactly. The best coach on the staff, who happened to be defensive coordinator Wade Phillips. No disrespect intended to head coach Gary Kubiak. Mm-hmm. Gary Kubiak, I think, would acknowledge that Wade Phillips was the star coach on that staff in 2015 when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Rick Perea, who will be joining us tomorrow as uh, part of our weekly Wellness Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, program. Check up from the neck up. We'll ensure second that notion that Wade Phillips was the MVC of that 2015 Broncos season most valuable coach. No one would seriously dispute that. And he was fired at the end of 2016. So there were consequences Over. to missing the playoffs. That's a contract back negotiation when as well. The Broncos, yes. Yes. Wade Phillips wanted a raise of yes. roughly half a million dollars. Yes. The Broncos and the bought. Broncos said, no, no, we'll go and get. Uh, well, uh, Vance Joseph is our head coach, so we'll just promote one of our assistants, Joe Woods, and make him the defensive coordinator, although Vance Joseph did, I think, most of the work, if not the play calling, uh, most of the time. Yeah, that year. Uh, I, I think that, especially that first year, uh, it was Joe Woods on whom responsibility fell. But in any case... Back in 2016, the Broncos still had some semblance of decency, although they made a very poor decision on Wade Phillips. They had some semblance of decency. Any sense of decency that the Broncos once had seven years ago over the last seven football seasons and maybe part of an eighth, any sense of decency is now gone. The Broncos have gone from being, even during the Pat Bowen years, a relatively poor NFL team because Pat Bowen was not among the richest 10 or even the richest 20, perhaps not even one of the richest 30 owners in the National Football League during most of his time as owner, if not all of his time as owner of the Denver Broncos. But the Broncos stood for values that we could generally embrace. We did not always agree with decisions the Broncos made, but there was nothing, not anything, over the approximately 30 years that Pat Bowen was in day-to-day charge of the Denver Broncos without being Jerry Jones and assuming general manager duties. There was nothing to approximate what we are now seeing from this organization 
And yes, the owners are new, but that's no excuse for the bullying tactics that they utilized. And I have no doubt that George Payton was a part of that too. And George Payton's not going to have a job one way or the other, but maybe George Payton thought two months ago, this is the way I saved my job. Which you and I told, said, said I back in April. put the hammer on Russell Wilson and start threatening him. Right. Saying, we're going to bench you unless you, um, and I'll use the euphemism here, alter your injury guarantee right. for 2025. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, we will bench you. Uh, happened during a bye week. The last time I remember any behavior that was even comparable to this was in 2010, actually 2009, when after a 6-0 start during a bye week, Josh McDaniels decided to cut his putter, mm-hmm. who became, over the ensuing decade, one of the best punters in the National Football League, if not the best punter in the National Football League during that stretch. But this is worse. This is putting the muscle on someone who the Broncos know is not going to be universally defended. I have a feeling Broncos fans in the main are sophisticated enough to understand what happened here and who the bully was and who was the victim and also the professional who played through this period in which the Broncos were threatening to have him benched, if not released, if he didn't submit to their threats and waive his insurance guarantee. And Russell Wilson's been a durable player, too, throughout his career. Say what you will otherwise about him he's been durable and in this case thoroughly professional and even got a salute from uh, a longtime rival this week yeah uh, and it's, which we will hear about a little, a, later a little on bit in the, the punter of course you mentioned brett kern who then went on to three pro bowls yeah uh, the- and about whom bill belichick said prior to a new england tennessee playoff game that tennessee won by the way in 2019 mm-hmm. in tom brady's last game as quarterback of the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick told the announcing crew in the production meeting that Brett Kern was the best football player in the Tennessee Titans, the most valuable, and acknowledging Belichick's fondness for special teams and for punters, place kickers, and guys who specialize in that part of the game, which Bill Belichick uh, knows inside and out. He's the greatest special teams coach in the history of the league this year's special teams performance by the Patriots notwithstanding, although they were pretty good on special teams against the Broncos on Christmas Eve, weren't they? Uh, listen, uh, that, that but that's a personnel mistake, okay? It's a bad one. It's a little bit petty. This is more than petty on the Broncos' part. This is totally unprofessional. Uh, you know, I, I, I love it when people say, when it's players trying to renegotiate, hey, a contract's a contract. Yes, right. But when it's an owner or the front office, or better yet, a combination of the two, along with a head coach whose fingerprints are all over this, 
though he denies knowing. That's just an outright lie. When the organization puts the muscle on a player to, if not waive, then at least postpone payment on an injury guarantee, mm-hmm. well, then I guess a contract's not a contract anymore. I, I like that you brought that up because that's one of the things that always bothered me because obviously it's, it's been interesting for the last week to, to talk with people. And, and it seems like, and I get it for fans, and I guess I pose this question to you for, for fans. Uh, I do. I'm intrigued. At what point, and and I'm just throwing it out there in the most generic of terms, at what point do the ethics of winning matter to you or which do they not? And I just ask you to take a moment to think about it because what Sandy pointed out I think is really important. And at the same time, you're right. A contract is a contract. It goes one way. But the main argument is Russell Wilson got paid this and he wasn't good enough, so I don't care what happens to him. Really? Is that your thought process? Now, if it's about money for the Denver Broncos, let's say the Denver Broncos did this to, I don't know, multiple time, their nominee for man of the year, Justin Simmons. Yep. Would you be equally cool with it? Because Broncos are just trying to save money. They're just trying to make sure they manage their cap so they can be better and they can get wins. Are you equally cool with it? Russell Wilson is an NFL man of the year winner. That's what that image of Walter Payton is on his jersey for that he gets to wear for the rest of his career. The only award in which the NFL allows that, by the way. So you want to go about how Russell Wilson's like the bad guy here? Give me a break. Jared Stidham talked about how the whole week Wilson basically was there to give him everything he wanted, coach him up. Uh, Stidham raved about Wilson's situation, through the situation to be a good teammate and to help him. Russell Wilson, and we told you this. Russell Wilson will start for another team this year. I'm looking at you, Pittsburgh Steelers. Because he is going to be able to walk into free agency and say, one, I was better than I was last year. Despite the fact my coach didn't want me to succeed, everyone watched the season and watched the vanilla, bland, completely uninventive play calling all year long. I still finished, and at the moment, if he holds up among qualifying quarterbacks, he'll finish sixth in passer rating between Jared Goff and C.J. Stroud, both of whom may be in the playoffs. And I get it. We both like QBR as a metric, but passer rating still matters. Sure it does. He's going to finish sixth. And what you also know when you add Russell Wilson is the guy's not going to get your team in trouble. He's not going to rock the boat. Even when things are unfair to him, maybe he is. As you've constantly put it, and I'll leave it to you, Mr. Positive, obviously, when it comes to... Sultan of Sunshine. And that is who Russell Wilson is. But there are teams going, you know what? I'd rather deal with that. I know this guy's not going to make any waves. He's going to be a good teammate. And he's, look, 11 of the 16 AFC teams this weekend, 11, started backup quarterbacks. 11. That's it. Wilson has been durable despite 45 sacks, and his whole career he's basically been durable. Russell Wilson's not going to have a problem finding a job next year. I guarantee you he's not. And he won't be competing for someone's backup job either. Don't think that's going to happen. There are coaches that understand I can work with this guy. Sean Payton never wanted to. He, he will have a chance to compete for a starting job. And, and I, I ask Broncos fans to go back and look. And go back and look through the season, knowing now what you know, and ask me if Sean Payton called the best possible offense he could call to go win football games. Because if it's all about wins to you, maybe check and see if your coach was up on it. 
because I'm not convinced he was. We'll talk more about this next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Every once in a while in the world of sports, you can be the victim and you can be the winner simultaneously. And if you're Russell Wilson, by the way, he handled things, as I told you. By fact, I think it was our very last week before the break. Uh, Russell Wilson had obviously looked at when Sean Payton balls him out and he just hears the old Peanuts characters, you know, when the adults in there, the, the trombone, the... I mean, that's what it sounded like to Russell Wilson because he knew he was done. And the funny thing is, we he knew he was done because the Broncos, months prior, had decided to move on once he wouldn't waive his injury clause or at least alter the date. Again, keep in mind, this was after the Broncos for the first time in what feels like a geological age beat the Kansas City Chiefs immediately after that game, and again, as I mentioned before the break, 11 of the 16 quarterbacks in the AFC this last weekend were backups. If you're Russell Wilson at the age of 35 and you're looking at the way the league goes around here and thinking, I should alter my injury guarantee, that's about the last thing I'm going to be altering if I'm a quarterback in the NFL when I'm talking about altering to make a deal for the team. The other guy that knows that, as well as anybody, although certainly his uh, compass doesn't always point north, is one Aaron Rodgers, who was hurt on the third play from scrimmage, eaten by the turf monster up there in the Meadowlands, and is fully pleased with his injury guarantee, I would presume. He had a chance to go on uh, his show. I'm sorry, it doesn't belong to Aaron Rodgers. It belongs to... uh, uh, Pat Although you could be it's, it's forgiven the, yeah. for believing. Sorry, it's the Aaron Rodgers show hosted by Pat McAfee, right. and he talked about how he felt for Russell Wilson. I think people that are just money motivated, and and there's always in free agency, there's basically there's the guys that just want to get paid, and there's the guys that want to get paid and be on a good team. So guys that want to just get paid, it won't make a difference. I think that's that's just the way the NFL is. Guys who care about character and chemistry and and uh, look, the NFL is, is uh, it's a great profession. It's a tough business. And this type of stuff is probably more commonplace than you would think. Obviously, we're talking about a, a, a premier player here in some bizarre uh, circumstances. Uh, I think anybody can probably look at the situation objectively and say that uh, Russ probably wasn't Sean's first choice. Um, it definitely paints the last however many weeks in a way different light, though, doesn't it? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, from play calling, from interactions they had on the sidelines. Um, listen, there's an old adage, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And Russ and I have had some battles over the years. And Seattle and Green Bay you know, were two of the premier teams in the 2010s, especially. And we had some battles over the years. Um, and there was a great rivalry and 
we couldn't seem to beat them other than in the Phil Mary game in Seattle. They couldn't beat us in Green Bay. But uh, I think we, we have, you know, more of a, a, a common uh, common enemy based on some comments that have been said about, uh, you know, a dear friend of mine and then seeing this come out. So uh, my heart actually goes out to Russ uh, for dealing with this. I think, uh, you know, say whatever you want about him. Like, I think he's handled this pretty well. Now, just in case there's some confusion, right at the beginning, he's responding to a question about how, free agents may feel now about coming to Denver. And his answer, as you heard, was, well, the guys who just care about getting as much money as they can, it won't make any difference to them. But guys who also want to win and prize character and camaraderie and cohesion and culture and all those C words. Okay. By the way, they're not coincidences. They also tend to lead to winning teams. Right. Right. People who care about that may look at this and say, hey, wait a minute. This is a guy who's looking for scapegoats. And he found Russell Wilson as a very convenient scapegoat. And I'm not sure I want to replace. Russell Wilson, even if I don't play the same position, as a prominent player who is likely to get blamed by this coach. Whether I play offense or defense, I'm likely to get blamed if I don't live up to my contract. And I can get money from better organizations than this one. It has a chilling effect. That's why I made the point in the first segment about this being now a despicable organization I think that is largely the view of players. Now, it's an organization unlike during the Bowen years, an organization with all the money in the world. So within the constraints of, of the cap, they will have no reluctance to spend. And to Roger's so if you're point. just about getting paid. There are guys if, who will just take that. Right. Guys will take that if they're just about getting paid. If you actually want to win as well as get paid, Hey, there are other rich owners in the NFL who all of them actually I know they're not this rich, but all of them don't meddle and let the architects do their work. And if the architects fail, then the owner steps in and has a decision to make. And as they say, it's uh, easier to uh, this. This actually came from Sean Payton last week when asked why he benched Russell Wilson. He said, well, I couldn't bench the entire offensive line, and I couldn't bench the tight ends, and I couldn't bench all the wide receivers. So I bet, which I'm, I'm sure, like many statements made by Sean Payton, made those other people feel real good because they couldn't be replaced as a group. The quarterback's an individual. Only one quarterback plays at a time. Five offensive linemen play at a time. Right. At least one tight end plays at a time. Uh, at least one wide receiver plays at a time. At least one running back plays at a time. So if you're talking about those, well, I couldn't cut the whole running back room. I couldn't cut the tight end. By the way, how great do you feel if you're one of those guys, by the way? That's my point. That's my point. How do you feel if you're one of those? Get rid of everybody on my I couldn't get rid of everybody else. But what he's really saying is. You're next? Quarterback. (laughs) No, not you're next. Quarterback's easiest guy to scapegoat. Yeah. Except if he's my guy and Jarrett Stidham's my guy. So even if Jarrett Stidham doesn't play any better 
and arguably doesn't play as well as Russell Wilson, as was the case on Sunday, he'll cover for that guy, at least for now, because that guy's his guy. That guy's his guy. Russell Wilson was never his guy. And you heard Aaron Rodgers say, and I, I think Aaron Rodgers can be believed on this point, that he always had the feeling that Sean Payton was never nearly as keen on Russell Wilson as Russell Wilson, for reasons known only to Russell Wilson, seemed keen on Sean And that Payton. includes back when he was in Seattle, one of the few teams he had, uh, he had a, a pretty substantial no trade. One of the few teams that wasn't on it was when Sean Payton coached the Saints. The Saints. Well, and I do believe the reports that Russell Wilson, uh, who knows about throwing muscle around because he tried some of that in Seattle well, certainly did. to get his general manager and his coach fired. I think he did go to them and say, I want Sean Payton as my coach, even though Sean Payton was coaching the Saints at the time. I want Sean Payton. I don't want Pete Carroll anymore. Uh, is, no, The point here is not to feel sorry for Russell Wilson, right? but to appreciate in this particular instance his professionalism. Mm-hmm over the past couple of months, and, and that includes last week. Think about, and I guess think about that, and you, I, I, you, you framed it perfectly. Uh, I don't feel sorry for Russell Wilson. I, I think that's a, I think it's been tacky the way the Broncos handled it, if not directly in violation of the CBA. We'll let the lawyers find that out. Believe me, lawyers will find that out. But the idea that, that this is where I guess I bring that back to that question for fans. Do you, and I guess I guess I'll even make me make it more simple when I talk about winning ethically. I'm 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 leaving and making it too nebulous. I mean, let me let me cut to the chase. Do you view players as people or disposable things that simply wear your favorite team's clothes for a little while and then go on to something else? I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but I am curious as what Broncos fans think, because for a very long time, including times in which the Broncos were leading the league in arrests, there were times in this town where not only media people, people who wrote, but fans were unhappy with how the Broncos were representing the Denver community in the Rocky Mountain region. Is that gone? Do you care anymore? Does it make any difference? Do you just want the wins and you couldn't care less? Are you fine with like, hey, you can get Deshaun Watson in here tomorrow. Just do it. Who cares? Uh, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens honored Ray Rice prior to their game this weekend. Ray Rice. Last seen beating a woman on recording. And the Ravens had him out there as one of their all-time greats. Uh, Is that how we feel now? Do we just not care? Russell Wilson didn't put up wins for my team. I don't care what happens to him. I don't care if the Broncos even maybe perhaps broke the rules in order to make a point. I don't care. Because I do wonder what that answer is. I I do too. And I'd like to think that Again, in this particular case, most fans would, for lack of a better term, side with Russell Wilson over Sean now, Payton. See, that's interesting because and, my experience thus far in the last couple of weeks has just been quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I, 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 I think it's a mix. I, again, I, I have no scientific evidence to back this up. Uh, no polling. I'm not a pollster. Um, and maybe I talk to fans who are a little less partisan and a little more reasonable, but how about this? 
You've been on to Sean Payton from the beginning. I think Sean Payton's been exposed in the last week, roughly. I mean, if you since this announcement, Bounty Gate. Well, I, I know, but that happened same, somewhere else. It, same guy, yeah, and that happened a long time ago, and it happened somewhere. Else. You'll notice. This, you'll notice the exact same plan. Here. I'm not privy to these no, discussions. No, no, no but I, I know, but. You know, but you're right, what town. other head coaches have gotten suspended for a year? I can't name one in the history of the NFL, which is over 100 years. No coach has been suspended for a year. When when Paul Horning gambled, Vince Lombardi didn't get suspended. When Alex Karras gambled, the head coach of the Lions at the time, I believe, was George Wilson. He didn't get suspended. Uh, Sean Payton got suspended for Bounty Gate. You're in charge. Mm-hmm. You don't know what your defensive coordinator is doing. You have no idea. Sean Penn makes it very clear, uh, by the way. He's in charge right up, up until something funny happens, something and then that was definitely then, oh, not me. I'm not privy to that. Right. Nobody believes well, me, that. This happened here, and my my view is that by however slight a majority, people are now on to Sean Payton. They know what he's about. They also understand that pre-Russell Wilson didn't matter how many games they won if they didn't make the playoffs. Now, playoffs don't matter. It just comes down to whether you finish with a winning record or not. And that's why, and I don't do this often, I am rooting very, very hard for the Raiders. And I think the Raiders will beat the Broncos I do on too. Sunday anyway. I agree. I, it, with or without Russell Wilson, a quarterback. But I am rooting for the Raiders because nothing against the Bronco players, but do you honestly think it means a lot to Justin Simmons, who was on a winning team his rookie year, if he's not in the playoffs? as he was not in 2016, and he won't be in 2023. You think it really makes a difference? He may say it does. I don't believe it. I think he's saying that to be a good team guy, and, hey, we want to win every game, no matter how consequential or inconsequential. Or how many backup quarterbacks we right. faced. Or, right. Yeah, how many right. teams are playing the, out the It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I like winning more than losing. I get sure. I, I get that. But the the coach at least insinuated all year long it was only about playoffs, not about a winning record. Not about a winning record. And if he dares go back and say, well, I had a winning record, and over the last uh, <laughs> uh, six years prior to this one, they didn't have any Wait a minute, you're the guy who said nothing that happened before, before you got here mattered. When it came to the Chiefs, which apparently it didn't, because after that you went after your quarterback to bench him for contract reasons. The Broncos now will be in this stretch. By the way, keep this in mind. 13 of their last 18 seasons will be without the playoffs. Only one of those was without Peyton Manning at quarterback, and that, of course, was the Tebow year in which yeah. they somehow isn't, lucked isn't into an 8-8 eight and eight division and that's, title. That's for people who, and there and, are those in town who, like again. This, who, who want to paper over all the Broncos' problems, including the competitive ones. Just think about that and listen. That era spans how many head coaches? Shanahan, McDaniels, Fox, Fox Kubiak. Technically, Studisville. Kubiak, Joseph, Joseph, Fangio, Fangio, 
Hackett. Jerry Rosberg. And <laughs> Sean Payton. Sean Payton. So that's eight by my count. Yeah. And I'm not counting. Full time coaches, right. I'm I'm eight full time coaches coach. in eighteen years. That is not a recipe to be a regularly contending team. And if your fix is all we have to do is hope that one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the history of the league happens to land in our lap and we're good. Good luck and with that. By the way, can I add, <laughs> add this? When Bill Belichick was asked at the beginning of the season, why on earth should people believe that this will be a successful season in 2023 for the mm-hmm. New England Patriots? Right. And his response was, have him take a look at the last 25 years. So that's Sean Payton's good friend who talks about the past. Well, it'll be Sean Payton's approach as well, pointing out his record at the end of the year, not where the Broncos are. Well, well, no, 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 no. But Belichick was saying the last 25 years, count the Super Bowl mm-hmm. rings. He wasn't saying count the winning seasons. Right. I don't, you know, mediocrity. Why should you believe in me? Take a look at my record over the last 25 years. And that, that record is, compi- roughly speaking, compiled as the head coach of the New England Patriots. He's adding on a few years. He hasn't been the coach of the Patriots for a quarter of a century. Not quite. Right, right. Not quite that long. My my point being this, that if Peyton is all about history as it applies only to him and he finishes this year with a losing record, he's a loser by his own definition. Keep in mind, by the way, with He's the Russell loser. Wilson idea, I just gave you the numbers. The next time you keep hearing about, but the coach, and Bill Belichick's a perfect example, but the coach is what will win us the games. Again, 18 seasons for the Broncos, five of them in the playoffs, four of them at Peyton Manning at quarterback. Players win games, not coaches. Coaches put players in positions to win games, but they don't score a single point. You know, it does score points. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, who have been on a rampage of late, we're going to kind of relax a little bit. Aaron Anderson will join us at the top of the hour. But the Nuggets have won 10 out of 12. They're right back in the thick of it, but they're still third in their own division. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Order clears. Jokic on a speed dribble. Yes, and a foul. Well, he's got that little floater on the puff down, doesn't he? Yeah, looks like he had some orange slices at halftime. Got a little encouragement. And the Nuggets off to a good start here in the third quarter. The voices, of course, of Chris Marlowe and... Uh, one point, your former co-host, Scott Hastings, over at Altitude Television. The uh, Nuggets now have won 10 out of their last 12 games. They knocked off Charlotte. The only two losses, and this is where I think I'm, I'm curious, 
Uh, one, it, look, you go 10 and 2, I don't care. 10 and 2 is great. You're rolling. Everything is well. The two they've lost, interestingly, both at home, interestingly, have been to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, one of them was 118, 117. Shea Gilchrist, We've talked about him before. A top five player in the league. Uh, hits a game winner at buzzer. That happens. I think he's an MVP uh, candidate. They're, they're great, great players. If he's, Luka he's, Doncic is yeah, an MVP candidate. I think he should and, be, and too. Perhaps he is. Then... Uh, Gilgis Alexander's right there. Oklahoma City, a better team than yep. Dallas, has every bit as legitimate a claim to have an MVP candidate of its own with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. And my opinion on the two games was that it was more about how well Oklahoma City played and less about the Nuggets falling short. And I did read an observation today, I believe, uh, uh, in the athletics uh, current rankings of the NBA teams one through 30 mm-hmm. that in a playoff series, uh, Oklahoma city may get muscled by Minnesota and or Denver a little bit in a, in a playoff. Yes. Yes. They are not a different team right. and they allow more in the playoffs. And nor are they experienced in the, the playoffs. The scoring won't be as high. Mm-hmm. Remember in, in both these games, at least on uh, uh, the Oklahoma city Side. Well into the 110s. The scoring was high. One, 118 and 119 <laughs> yeah, for Oklahoma City yeah, in the right. two wins. Uh, they, right. You know, the Nuggets got blown out in this last one, 119 to 93. And Malone said it after the game. They didn't have the same energy Oklahoma City had. It, it was three the second night of a back-to-back. Three games have been odd this year. The one in Oklahoma City where I thought the Nuggets would have some trouble very early in the season. Oh, they, the Nuggets blew their doors. 128-95, the third game of the year. They, then yeah, they the game them. here was a toss-up game won by... Gilgis Alexander last second shot. And then there was a blowout here in favor of Oklahoma City that not a lot of people saw coming, at least in, in that way. Uh, Oklahoma City's a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I suspect <laughs> yeah, still a better regular season team than it might be a postseason team. But listen, uh, teams have won with finesse in the playoffs. Uh Golden State, not the most physically imposing team. Next on the docket for the Nuggets. On Thursday, a, a big TNT and game between the you Nuggets know what? and the Warriors. I'd rather play Golden State right now any day than Oklahoma City. I don't care where the site of the game is. I want to play Golden, Golden State's State State 15 right and 17 and yeah. out of not not just the playoffs, they're, they're but even the play in. in. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're in a, a tough spot. But right now, I mean, look at that. Atop the West, Minnesota 24 and 8, Oklahoma City 22 and 9, a game and a half out. The Nuggets 24 and 11, oh. also a game and a half out. Obviously, they've played more games. But how about that? The, I mean, the, the, but you no know, one talks about division. The Northwest Division, yeah. of which the, actually exists for some reason that I don't entirely know. But anyway, the, the three Divisions teams in the matter entire, in the NHL, they don't matter in, in the Western Conference. That's the three best teams. Yeah. Uh, listen, if you look at, other than Denver, the three best teams in the West right now. They're ranked in the basketball reference simple rating system uh, going from first down to fourth, the Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, and the Clippers. They are ranked fourth, third, fifth, that will be Denver, and seventh. Pretty tightly bunched, right? In the east, you take the three best teams right now, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, First, Boston. Sixth, Milwaukee. Second, Philadelphia. So, 
you throw these half dozen teams in a blender or throw in the Clippers, make, make it seven teams, including Denver, there's not really a whole lot to choose among those teams right now. They're pretty tightly bunched. Yeah. Who do I trust for the postseason? I trust a healthy Denver team as much as anybody else. Maybe not more. I, th- I, I, I'm, I'm looking for a weakness in Boston. I don't see it. No, I don't Offensively, either. Boston second. Defensively, third. Net rating first, as you might expect. Yeah. The Boston Celtics are the Baltimore Ravens. They're, pl- the they're the best right team now. in the NBA right now. Absolutely. Yes, I don't think there's any question about that. But, but yeah, the Nuggets are fine. They're fine. Right. And the good news to come out of uh, uh, these last 10 days was that uh, the injury sustained by Aaron Gordon, don't wrestle with your Rottweiler when you perhaps had a little too much eggnog. That's uh, it, not really a good idea. Um, 21 stitches to face and right hand, mm-hmm. shooting hand. The Nuggets were talking like he'd miss weeks. Right. Not days, days, weeks. And he goes. He came out and back he, in a week. And and came I know, back they, in a week, and he's fine. They, he shot four for five in twenty five minutes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Not, they, nothing. To so worry he's about. fine. All they're, systems go. They're they're fine. They're healthy. Uh, I don't see any problem with with their form. And I'm looking at uh, the schedule coming up, and you know, it's. A reasonably challenging schedule in some ways, but it's a little like the Avalanche schedule. I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about uh, here in the short term or in the long term. Uh, is Jokic down a little bit from where he was at this time last year? Maybe. And I noticed on Christmas Day they had some of the metrics that those floaters that Scott Hastings was talking mm-hmm. about in the clip we just played, uh, they aren't going down quite as routinely uh, as they were a year ago. His percentage in the basket area is not quite as good, but otherwise he's the same guy and he does what uh, he needs to do. Uh, Oklahoma City's given him trouble a couple of times. He had seven turnovers in the game on Friday night, and that's that's a little heavy. Uh, for a Nugget team that uh, turned the ball over we, 16 times, him, and that was the difference. We've the seen him have these sort of lulls at times, and, and as long as there's health there, it's very little to worry about. I remember at this time last year, too, we were wondering some of his shots weren't falling. He was turning the ball over more than you. This same thing. Uh, look, he's still averaging 25.7 points, 12.3 boards, 9.1 assists. Yeah, the efficiency uh, is, which off the charts. is always off the charts. Keep, keep it's mind. just not quite at the no. same level but it this also year. doesn't they have to thrown be. in a few more stinkers and it has contributed to a few losses here and there and they've actually in games in which he has not fully participated in other words he's been thrown out of a couple of games this year uh, fortunately they were playing Detroit and Chicago on the road and they won those games if not easily then relatively routinely in in those two instances. Again, I look at the Nuggets and have they had what you would term a bad loss? And I define a bad loss 
as losing to teams like Detroit and Chicago anywhere, anytime. Right. That hasn't happened. They are virtually unblemished against average to bad teams this year. Their only losses have come against good teams. They've and you say, well, Houston's not a. Good I, I, team. I've legitimately I one bad know. loss on the schedule, and it was that game by Thanksgiving to Houston. But again, one. But and that's even me. Know, I, even I'm, I'm being picky that, about it. There's that, one that's being picky, and Houston beat them three out of four, and Oklahoma City's beating them two out of three. But I, see, I think Houston's going to keep getting better. And you tell me that Houston is worse than Phoenix. I don't think so. Worse than Dallas? No, I don't think so. Worse than New Orleans? Nope. Worse than Sacramento? Nope. Now, I know those teams are ahead of them in the standings, but not by much. And, uh, you know, the knock against Houston is that they can't win on the road. They're a young team, and they can't win on the road. So when they win here in Denver, okay, I'll concede that losing one game to Houston here when Houston's won one or two road games all right. year, one of them was here. That, 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 okay, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Uh, but beyond that, I, I'm sorry, I don't think losing to the Clippers recently was a bad no. loss. The Clippers are playing pretty well. I mean, you've well. played 35 games, and you and I are, are nitpicking over maybe yeah. one that I'm maybe arguing. Maybe one. Keep Maybe in mind, one. too, by the way, Maybe the, the Nuggets will loss. take on the Warriors on Thursday. We'll talk more about it as it gets closer. But Nikola Jokic leads the league in triple doubles with 11, right? And, and out of the games in which he's competed fully, as you've pointed out, there's a better than one in three chance he gets a triple double yeah, in any that's game. Right. That's right. Don't just, just take a moment to appreciate the greatness. In their win over Dallas, when uh, Utah obliterated Dallas 127-90 to 90 in their last game, Jordan Clarkson got a triple double. That was the first triple-double for Clarkson. It was the first triple-double for the Utah Jazz. In 15 years. One triple-double in 15 years. Jokic has 11 this year, and the Nuggets are fine. The Denver Broncos are not. We'll have an opportunity to talk about where they go from here. The Raiders game, whatever. As Sandy correctly pointed out, win or lose doesn't change the trajectory of the team. What does it really look like? Our friend from Fox 31, Aaron Anderson, will join us to break it down next on My Life Sports.